Hello and welcome to the I'm Learning Mandarin podcast. I'm your host Misha. I've been learning Mandarin independently outside of China whilst working full-time for around four years now. I'm currently at a solid intermediate level in which I can comfortably hold long conversations with native speakers on a wide variety of topics, and I recently started a blog documenting my journey of striving towards fluency, and also to help other learners who are at the beginning of their Mandarin journeys. So the goal of my blog, and of this podcast, is to help you learn how to learn Chinese. You see, as an independent learner based in the UK, the first two years of my studies were largely spent figuring out what I should be doing. I hope to help you speed up that process by offering insights and tips based on my experience. So each week, I'll be discussing a new topic regarding how best to learn Chinese, drawing on stories and insights from my experience. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. You can also visit my blog at imlearningmandarin.com, or one word, and sign up to get regular new blogs pinged to your email. One of the most daunting aspects of learning Chinese is the sheer number of characters required for basic literacy. It's estimated that comfortably reading a newspaper requires around 3,000 characters, whilst an educated native speaker will typically know in excess of 7,000. Memorizing such a high number of characters is not an easy task, but modern technology has made it easier than it once was. In the past, Mandarin learners had to rely on physical flashcards to review characters and commit them to memory. But today, a number of space repetition apps come with sophisticated algorithms, making the learning process more efficient. Whilst these apps have facilitated the learning process, they are still far from ideal. SRS apps are typically not very user-friendly, and most of them are not tailored to learning Mandarin characters in particular. So on today's podcast, I talk with Daniel Nailsnick, a Chinese learner who got so tired of badly designed apps that he decided to create a new system for himself. Hack Chinese is a space repetition learning system designed specifically for Mandarin Chinese. According to Daniel, using the website for just 10 to 20 minutes per day to review vocabulary can help you grow and maintain a bank of thousands of characters. I've been using Hack Chinese myself for several weeks, and I've been impressed with how easy it is to use, as well as how efficient it is. So I wanted to get Daniel on the podcast to discuss his experiences and insights into learning Chinese, as well as his motivations for designing his program. So Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to start by asking you why you decided to learn Chinese in the first place, and taking us back to the moment when you made that decision. Can you can you remember um, why you decided to learn Chinese? Yes, um, it was. It's an interesting story, and it's a little bit of a fluke. So. I was working my first job out of college. It was an engineering, software engineering job, had nothing to do with China or Chinese. And they had this policy where if you took a evening class that was related to the field of business that we were in, then they would pay for it. And so I really took advantage of this and was taking all these evening classes. And at one point I, I signed up for an economics class and went to the professor uh, before the class began and said, Professor, I just looked at your syllabus, and in 12 weeks, there is an exam, and I know that I'm not going to be here during that 
exam. I'm going to be away in uh, California. I was living in Massachusetts at the time in Boston. I said, I'm going to be away at that time. And um, is it possible that I can tell you now and then take the exam early, take the exam late, whatever, you know, I'm not trying to get out of my responsibility, but I know I won't be here in 12 weeks time. And he told me, nope, if you can't be here, don't take the class. So at that point, I had already waited long enough that nothing else was uh, possible, and I decided to look around what other things might I decide to take. And Chinese was there on, at this evening school that I was at, the Harvard Extension School in Boston. And so I just kind of signed up on a whim. I was not a language person, had no experience really with Chinese before, uh, had take, taken French before, and, and done very poorly at it. Uh, but that was that was the first time ever I decided to take Chinese just completely really on a whim based on this error. So at that point, you were in Boston. Um, and those classes took place in Boston. How did you find the experience of taking those classes and of studying Chinese outside of China in that initial period? So I had never been to China at that time. So I didn't really know how to compare it to what it would be like later on uh, when I did go to China to learn Chinese. But at the time, I had a Chinese teacher who was you know, originally from China, but had been in the US for a long time. And it was very different than my experience learning French. When I was in middle school, high school, and college, I had taken all these Ch French classes. With Chinese, it was in some sense, so much harder and so much so much different than my current language and the other languages I had studied that it became somewhat easier because it just gave me this incredible amount of motivation, like, wow, could I possibly ever one day be decent at something this challenging? And, you know, the inside the class, I think it was a very traditional class, lots of rote repetition, lots of looking at characters and, and writing them, that type of thing. I, I don't think, looking back at it now, that it was a particularly impressive introduction or, or, or experience. It wasn't super, super poor, but it wasn't outstanding either. But I think it was a, a pretty normal situation that people have in, in university courses. At what point then did you get the opportunity to go to China for the first time to use the Chinese that you'd learned? So after that semester of Chinese, I really, really, really enjoyed it. And I already was thinking, wow, how can I make this a larger part of my life? So that was uh, in the fall. You know, I was working full time, so those were evening classes, but that was during a fall semester. And then the following springtime, I enrolled in another class. And it was during that period of time where I decided this summer, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to move to China, and I'm going to learn as much as I can in a year. Um, so that was in 2009. I, I, I left the US and landed in China in August or September of 2009. One of the things that I've written about in the past is that for me, because I've studied Chinese almost exclusively outside of China, and for me, the, the realization of just how much vocabulary you need to be proficient in Chinese, it only really hit home when I took a trip to Taiwan a couple of years ago. So I'd been learning Chinese for two years at that point, and I was just about at HSK3 level, which I'd been told was kind of an intermediate level. And when I arrived in Taiwan, I realized that, you know, just knowing 500 words, which had seemed like a monumental achievement for me at the time, that this is nowhere near enough to really be proficient in the language. It's nowhere close. Did you have a similar realization when you arrived in China or were you already aware of that fact? 
uh, <laughs> I had a, a very similar realization. So I had taken a, you know, a year's worth of classes and I was a pretty diligent student. And when I landed in China, I was at a program in, in Beijing at, at Peking University, which had, I think, 12 different levels for your Chinese. And you would speak with a, a teacher very briefly for like five minutes and then maybe take like a two minute written test something very, very small. And I said, okay, I've taken a year's worth of classes. I at least have to be upper beginner, right? Or at least like middle beginner. And they slotted me into level two of 12. So basically I had only, I had only passed the like, I don't even know pinion stage. On top of that, just walking around the city, I was getting nothing. I was not understanding anything that I heard, maybe ni hao, but not much beyond that. So very much the same. It was a huge wake-up call. At that time, what were you using to build vocabulary? Were you using flashcard apps? Were you using space repetition systems? What was your experience with them at that time? Before China, for the first two semesters in the US, the volume of vocabulary was small enough that I relied on really what the teachers were telling me to do, which was just look at the lists, read them over and over uh, and over and over. And maybe I may have made some paper physical flashcards. Once I was in China and the expectations were set, oh, you have to learn, you know, a hundred words a week, something, whatever it was, it was a lot more than I had done before. And I found a very simple program on the Mac called iFlash. And it was basically a very generic flashcard program where you could type what was on the front side, the back side, and and then it would show you the calculations and show you words. And I used that extensively. I would spend so much time creating all these decks of words. And that's really what I used for the duration of my year there. That was really the genesis of this idea because although this was a, a program that was working for me at the time, it was useful because it was simple. Unlike, you know, I think the, the, the reigning champion is Anki for space repetition flashcards, but that was so challenging to, to get up the learning curve and, and I just couldn't deal with the interface and all this other stuff. So I really like the simplicity of this program, but as soon as you grow beyond a couple hundred or a couple thousand words, other problems started to creep in. Yeah, I mean, I've had similar experience with space repetition systems. So throughout my Chinese learning, before I started using Hack around a month ago, I was using different apps like Anki, Quizlet, and I found that all of these apps were in some way unsatisfactory. I mean, Anki is famously, it's not very user-friendly. It's not really tailored to Chinese specifically, the same with Quizlet. And I think that if I had had any computer programming skills, which I didn't, I might have been tempted to attempt something similar and create something that could have facilitated my Chinese language journey. So I think it's really good that, that, you've, that you've done that. So at what point then did you make the decision to design Hack Chinese? So after my year in China, I went back to the U.S. and spent about five years in the U.S. I, was, uh, I went to grad school. I, I started a corporate job there that was unrelated to computer science or software engineering or anything like that. And then I, w I moved to Hong Kong in 2014 with the, the job that I had. And throughout that time, I continued to learn Chinese. I was, you know, had some tutors uh, online when I got to Hong Kong. I, I tried a bunch of tutors here in person. Um, I used a whole bunch of apps. And there was at, at one point here in Hong Kong, I went to a, a particularly expensive tutoring service. And I felt like because this was sort of the cream of the crop, it was a really expensive place. You know, the tutors uh, prepared a lot and really tailored this 
the uh, their classes to you and did a lot of homework and helped you uh, learn the words for the industry you were in and all that type of thing. I felt like, okay, this is basically going to be the best situation I, I can get. You, you, you can't possibly pay more for these lessons. My company was paying for them. I think it was in the hundreds of dollars per hour. It was, it was a bit crazy. And they were good. Their teachers were fantastic. The curriculum was great. But at the end, it still sort of just fell down to this, the same problem I was getting everywhere else, which was, okay, you're teaching me all this great stuff, but like, what is the plan to make sure I actually can keep it in my mind? And so I found myself explaining to teachers over the years, like, have you guys heard of space repetition? And five years ago, the answer was basically no. Nowadays, maybe they have, but they still don't really, most teachers still, even if they have heard of it and, and maybe advocate for it, they don't really set up their programs to use it in, in a very simple way for the students. And so I had this expensive class and I was, I was just so disappointed that it was still not this problem was still not being solved for me. And so that really solidified in my mind, like, okay, this has to be something that is solved somewhere. People cannot be spending, you know, someone like myself, I had spent 10 years learning Chinese, had been to China for a year, was so interested in it, really wanted to use space repetition. I mean, the alternative to, to if you don't use space repetition, what do you do at that point? There's really nothing that comes close to it. I mean, there's several methods to learn something, but you still need a way to revise and check. And so if, if someone like me was still spending all this time in Excel spreadsheets, finding duplicates of words, merging these things, going into access databases, like all this craziness, I said, there's there's no way that this is the future. There has to be a better way. And so in 2017, I, I left my job with the idea of uh, creating Hack Chinese. Yeah, I have to say that a lot of the things that you said there completely resonate with my experience and particularly experiences with teachers and when I initially first started learning Chinese, I would ask teachers, you know, what are the best apps to kind of make sure that the information that you've taught me sticks in my head. And more often than not, it was, I, I would have to go and find those apps for myself and use trial and error. And some of the apps were terrible and some of the apps were okay, but it would be uh, an inefficient process because the teachers didn't in advance have that knowledge that they could then pass on to me. So I absolutely agree with, with the point that you made there. I'm wondering when you first made Hack Chinese so at that point, so when you first set out to design it, what specifically were the main points that you wanted to improve on in terms of previous and other space repetition systems that, that you've mentioned? So what, what was the, the problems that you wanted Hack Chinese to solve? Yeah, there, there are three main things that uh, were like the core feature set that, that needed to exist. Otherwise, Hack Chinese would not be a product. Uh, the first one was the idea that you could add or create your own uh, lists with ease. So there's a problem, although there is some, there's a school of thought or some people who advocate like creating your own flashcards, the act of creating your own flashcards is a way to build your memory with, with a particular word. I haven't seen the science to, to, to know if that's true or not. Intuitively, I'm not. Sh it doesn't seem particularly compelling, but nonetheless, I do feel like actually doing review with those words is more important than than any benefit you might get from like taking longer to get started. So, there has to be a a dictionary uh, in Hack Chinese that helps you quickly create essentially flashcards that you that you want to use. So, if you want to add the word coffee to your flashcard list, you're not looking it up in some dictionary, hoping you don't make typos as you type in the pinyin, adding the the tone marks and, and all of that. So that was one thing. The second thing was we completely had to get rid of the concept of like merging lists and finding duplicates. So, like if you study the HSK one you can find flashcard software that'll help you learn HSK1 uh, vocabulary 
on the App Store. Like there's probably a million versions of this that exist. But then what happens if you then want to study HSK2? You have two options at that point with most of the software that is out there. You either get a separate program or deck that has HSK2 exclusive words. And at that point, you are now managing two decks and, and doing space repetition. You're like doing your HSK1 stuff, and then you're switching over to HSK2 and doing your HSK2 stuff. That's a lot of you know management. And of course, that gets even more complicated if you then add in what about words you learned from a tutor or, or whatever else. The second bad choice that you have is, well, instead of getting HSK1 deck and an HSK2 deck, what if you get a HSK2 cumulative deck, which has all the words from both? And if you do that, then you lose all the progress from what you studied in HSK1, which uh, maybe is not so bad at HSK2. You have 150 words, kind of no big deal. But the whole point is efficiency. The whole point of space repetition is like being efficient with your time. And this problem only gets worse as you get into you know, HSK3, 4, 5, 6, or studying from textbooks, or studying your own personal list that you've created, or words that you've learned from a teacher. I, I literally had situation, I had like, 15 decks and I had spent probably like honestly 100 hours over the last 10 years uh, going into Excel and importing word lists, finding duplicates, getting rid of things, you know, adding them to different. It was just it was just insane because the whole point was to be efficient and I was being anything but. So that was the second thing. The first one was a dictionary. The second one was the ability to have these lists share, you know, share knowledge of, of what you're learning. So you never have to learn something twice. And the third thing was a ability to not have to start from the beginning. So it didn't necessarily matter for me because I was so aware of what I had learned and, and what I had not. But I knew that if people were going to be starting with Hack Chinese, a lot of them would not be true beginners. And in fact, most of the people who start with Hack Chinese are not true beginners. They come in at the HSK 2, 3, 4, 5 level. And we need to have an elegant way to ease them into still being efficient and not have to say, okay, before you begin, here's your choice. You either ignore everything in HSK3 because you are HSK4, or here's a test where you're going to, you know, you have to go through 1,200 words and tell us what you do and don't. Both of those would be bad choices too, uh, bad options. So the final thing was what we call in Hack Chinese is this assumed knowledge. There are words that we assume you know, and we handle them in a as elegant as a way as we can, which is slowly test you them over time. And you know, shuffle them into your into your schedule uh, as appropriate. What for you do you think is the right balance to strike between using systems like Hack Chinese in terms of time spent and using immersive techniques of reading lots in Chinese, listening to lots of Chinese? Uh, that's an awesome question, and I'm going to give you an answer that you're not going to expect. I think you should use Hack Chinese as little as possible. Um, and uh, the, the the thing is, Hack Chinese and, and other space repetition tools are a it's a crutch it basically helps you learn vocabulary to a certain level so that every other really effective technique of learning and using the language is easier so i think a lot of students have have found success with you know 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes in the evening something like 20 minutes a day i can't say if that's the right amount for you if you're doing language learning full time if you're spending a year you know abroad and you're doing nothing but trying to learn chinese sure spend a lot more time but for sure you don't want to be a student who has uh who can recall 10,000 words, but 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 actually can't read, or actually can't speak, or actually can't listen. So, it it really is uh, a tool that you should use as part of a more holistic study program. And 
it's supposed to help you build your vocabulary so that you can do what you really want to do with the language, read, uh, listen, those type of things. So a, a rule of thumb would be at most, at absolute most, 50% of your time should be vocabulary learning with, with a tool like space, you know, with, like Hack Chinese, because yeah, there is a lot of vocabulary, especially in the beginning, um, but, but no more than that and probably a lot less than that. Um, you know, you should spend most of your time reading, uh, listening, and those type of things. Absolutely. That completely chimes with my own philosophy. And in my previous podcast, I spoke with my guest about the amount of time that you should dedicate to structured learning, uh, things like flashcards uh, versus immersion. And I think most people who've reached a reasonable level in Chinese will agree that whatever different strategies you use, the bulk of the time should be spent on immersing in reading and listening, but, but, but space repetition systems and including hack Chinese are, should be supplementary. So it's, it's really good to hear you say that. I'm wondering about some of the other features in hack Chinese, which I've noticed. I haven't used them yet, but one of them is, um, I believe that you can import from other apps such as Pleco, for example. Is, is, that, is that one of the features that you have? Yes. Yeah, so essentially, there's a way for a variety of programs, whether you've studied the different apps, uh, flashcard apps, or even other uh, apps like uh, Duolingo or YoYo Chinese or, or um, uh, Rosetta Stone, depending on how far along you got in those curriculum, or if you actually can export a list from a, a program like Pleco, um, right now you can send that to us and we can upload that and put it into your account. Once it's there, you can then assume knowledge of it if you already know it, or you can treat it as a new list or several new lists, uh, whatever. So we try to make it as easy as possible to you know, kind of get in and, and be efficient uh, without starting over. Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask about was a concern that a lot of people have when using space repetition systems and one that I share as well, which is that when once the deck reaches a certain size, the deck tends to become unmanageable. So at the moment, for example, I'm, as I say, I've assumed knowledge of the HSK-5 and I'm working on the HSK-6. So I have a deck of a couple of thousand and that's manageable. What I'm wondering is how do people find it and can it really be manageable when you're reaching higher numbers, when you're reaching HSK-6 studying towards HSK-7, 8, 9 and where you're, where you're dealing with more like tens of thousands of words. At that point, can it still be manageable? That's a great question. So maybe I should answer this from a couple different angles. The first is, it, it is manageable. Some, some people do it. And I think it, it depends on if you are, if you're diligently going in frequently enough to, to review, you know, words that are at risk of, of expiring or you're at risk of forgetting, then even with a 10,000 word vocabulary, you may only have a hundred reviews a day, which may seem like a lot uh, if, if you're just starting off with space repetition, but a hundred reviews is, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day. Um, and so it's definitely possible. Now, the, the, the problem comes when people are not as disciplined about coming in every day. And that is is actually okay and, and, and fine as long as they can manage their expectations because it's, there's not an actual problem in, in my view. There's, there's a psychological problem, which is, okay, you've come in today, you, you, spent, you spent six months learning, learning, learning vocabulary for a half an hour a day. And because of that diligent work, you now have, you know, maybe five, 6,000 words in your vocabulary. Great. Then you take a month off. You go on vacation, life gets in the way, you have a child, whatever. <laughs> you're busy. You don't, you, you're not around. 
So when you come back, you come back and there's a whole bunch of words that are due for review. And so if you look at that, you might say, oh my goodness, I have like a million tasks. I might have, you might have like a thousand words to review or even more than that. And that feels pretty bad. It can feel like, wow, that's very overwhelming. But the other way to look at it is at this point, space repetition is actually going to work its magic the best for you because it's going to show you things that you may have forgotten. And if you didn't, great, we're now going to put the interval at something really, 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 really long because you've managed to go a lot longer than, than we thought. And it's going to be you know far into the future where you need to review it again. And if you if you don't do that, if you if you just kind of give up on the idea of space repetition, you're actually it, it's unfortunate because the, the system hasn't stopped working and, and you now are going away from a study method that is quite effective and, and still working and, and you and what are you going to like what is the choice there are you going to restart with um you know uh, maybe maybe you continue with space repetition but you like restart and you know we actually even offer that as an option now in hack chinese because some people um you know and, and i think it's fine if, if you want to do this um are so overwhelmed by the amount of reviews due that that it's just untenable they have to uh, get that down to a, a reasonable amount and that's fine i think that if that's if that's the way you're going to continue, I think that's okay too. But if you choose not to do that, you're actually getting the most value out of space repetition because, um, yeah, there's no other way that you could have learned the amount of words that you know today. Um, and whether you had used some other magical method, whatever it may be, today you have a lot of stuff that you had learned at one point and you have to review them and you have to make sure that you refresh those memories. So you either continue with the system and just understand and accept, yeah, there's going to be maybe a couple days, maybe a couple weeks where you're not learning anything new. But wow, in the process of going through that, you're going to um, make sure that you don't waste or, or you're going to waste the minimum amount of time possible because you will refresh a lot of those things and give it these long intervals where then you don't need to see it for maybe a year as opposed to starting over and you just uh, you kind of waste a, lo a lot of that, that effort. One thing I wanted to mention was that one of the main questions that I get uh, from beginner learners is when you have a certain amount of vocabulary like for example when you are comfortable with the vocabulary in hsk5 like i am what can you do with that what can you how, how proficient are you in the language and the answer i give is that my current level there's a lot of things i can do but there's a, a, also a lot of things that i can't do for example i can comfortably have conversations with uh, chinese native chinese speakers on a range of different topics and we understand each other and there's no major problem um, uh, and at the same time if I just sit in front of Chinese TV there's a lot of things I understand and there's a lot of things I don't understand I'm currently working through a documentary series on which is like a crime documentary series covering court cases in China which is really interesting and it has the subtitles, which I can read along at the same time. And I find if I just play it in real time, that I can follow the gist of most of the stories and I can get a lot of... I understand a lot of it, but there's also a lot that I still don't understand. So I can't say that I understand Chinese TV fluently, uh, Chinese radio fluently, Chinese podcasts fluently on all different topics at this point. It's, I'm just not at that level yet. If I put that question to you, because you've learned a lot more vocabulary at your peak in terms of comprehension with the amount of words that you've known, how would you describe your proficiency in Chinese and what you can do with that? Ah, oh, that's such an awesome question. Um, so this this reminds me very much of the of the question people ask of like, are you fluent? <laughs> and it's like, well, if I'm watching a, a TV drama 
on you know high schoolers life or, or like young adult life living in the city and uh, dating and and that type of thing yeah I'm, I'm pretty pretty damn fluent you know um, I can understand 95 plus percent of, of things that are said and I can converse about those things if I watch a historical drama or a medical show or a detective show then I feel almost like a beginner like like you know not even like oh I don't understand as much I understand so little and it comes down to this like concept of like what is the canon of knowledge that that you know about that you have learned about and have practiced until you learn a lot of that specialized vocabulary of course you won't really understand um, most of that and if you're listening to a sentence and it has one word you don't know maybe you're okay and you can kind of gloss over it but as soon as you get even just like two words you don't know i have trouble uh two if it's three words forget it like even if it's the most basic elementary words if there's like three important words scattered in there that i don't know my my brain shuts off and i don't get any of it i think i watch a lot of i watch a lot of chinese tv and i don't know anyone who has reached high levels of fluency without watching tv in their target in their target language so I try to pick something that is like just about at my level and I can comprehend enough of it so that it's enjoyable. And so I look forward to the experience every time. Well, Daniel, thank you very much for joining us today. I recommend all our listeners check out Hack Chinese. I've been using it, as I say, myself for a few weeks now, and I found it really, really helpful for building vocabulary. So once again, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Had a great chat. So that brings us to the end of another episode of the I'm Learning Mandarin podcast. If you want to check out Daniel's app, you can visit www.hackchinese.com for a free trial. Once again, if you enjoyed this episode, please visit imlearningmandarin.com and subscribe for more content. So until next time, goodbye.